Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this December the 21st in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and this is our second last program for the year because tomorrow we will be having our final program for the year as KFUO will be doing some Christmas music. Oh, for about two weeks. We'll be back on January the 9th. Okay, what are we doing today? Well, it's Bible Study Wednesday, so we're looking again at Proverbs. Proverbs, I I never realized how much is in the book of Proverbs that talks about the will of God, how God thinks. That's very, very important because God thinks in two different ways. He thinks about those who are unbelievers, and he thinks about those who are believers. In Proverbs 16, beginning with verse 25, here's what he had Solomon write under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way to death. Now, what he's talking about is something that Proverbs talks about and the entire Bible talks about is the different paths that are possible. Jesus talks about a wide path, which many people are on, and the narrow path. The the wide path is the way that people attempt to do good works to get on the right side of God. And I find that is true in every religion outside of Christianity. They're telling you, well, here's what you got to do. And by doing it, you get right with God. You see, that is the way to death. Because a man cannot get right with God by his works. People think that the problem in the world is they want to be right with God. They're reconciled to God, but God isn't reconciled to them. So they begin to do good works to get God to be reconciled. That's like a child doing good works to his parents, following their rules, their guidelines, their commandments in order that they can consider themselves as a child of their parents. That just doesn't make any sense. No, you're a child either because you were begotten or adopted. Your works follow after you have become a child. And a proper child of parents will love to obey the parents, not in order to become their child, but because they also love their parents. So the way that seems right to a man or that appears correct to any person, that way is the way of death. And that's what the book of Proverbs is talking about. Verse 26, we're in chapter 16 of Proverbs. A worker's appetite 
works for him. His mouth urges him on. Now, that term appetite really is referring to what he loves to do. He has an appetite. Like when you go to a restaurant, you like to go to a place where they really have good food. If you've been to a place that doesn't have good food, wow. Yesterday I got in the mail a option to get a newsletter. And it's all about what is bad food and good food. Now, unfortunately, all the bad food I really like. They would talk about milkshakes from certain fast food restaurants or cheeseburgers or cakes or all kinds of desserts. And they would show, look how much fat you are receiving. Look how much salt you are receiving. Look how much sugar you are receiving. Then on the other side of the sheet, they had food that was good for you. Not so much fat or salt or sugar. And that was like yogurt, a number of vegetables, things like that. So you can go and have an appetite for bad things. That word appetite refers not only to food, but whatever you imagine is something that you want. And your mouth urges you on. That means your mouth drives you on by speaking about these things. If you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 7, it says very clearly, one's appetite is never fulfilled. Now, I find that true in my life, and I'm sure you have in yours. I mean, a lot of us would have an appetite of trying to make a lot of money. And then we dream about, well, then I can give a lot to church. I can give some to groups that are helping out with the poor or feeding the hungry. That's our appetite. But we don't make that much money. We often live from check to check. So our appetite may be driven by what our mouth says. But from God's point of view, that is really a sinful kind of item. We're not content with what God has given us. Verse 27, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. Now, what do we refer to as a worthless man? That's a good-for-nothing individual. He is an unbeliever, and he doesn't think that he's plotting evil, but he is plotting evil, because by nature, we are sinners. And therefore, his speech, and that means his lips, 
are like a scorching fire. In other words, that term scorching fire, this is the only place that that word in the Hebrew is found in the Old Testament. And it refers to malicious speech. Like, for example, your wife spends a lot of time in getting a new dress and she's wearing it. She comes to you and says, how do I look? And you say to her, wow, that really makes you ugly. Now, that's your opinion. And it may not be the opinion of others, but you're using malicious speech. And that malicious speech can occur when you are a gossip and talking against what people believe and do. And so this is a plan that Martin Luther talks about. As sinful human beings, we love to hear bad things about others. Why is that? Because then it makes us feel good about ourselves. Now, now you know that if there's someone you don't like and then you hear that, well, maybe somebody hit their car or they lost their job or they're having problems with the children and you feel good about that because you don't like them. Well, when you share with others what is happening in the family, it's like scorching fire your lips and a good for nothing man therefore plots evil. That is continued in verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Now, what does that mean? Well, an unbeliever is dishonor, dishonest, and he therefore is considered as a perverse person in God's sight, and he spreads strife. I was watching a movie recently, and two parents, well, they had a son that got in trouble with the law. And then there were three women talking in a room about how bad a mother she was. And they were saying one thing after the other. And they were unaware that both the mother and father were around the corner listening to what they said. And they had been very close friends. But then when they saw that the mother and father heard what they were gossiping about, guess what? It separated their friendship. So a perverse person can spread strife because he enjoys hearing bad things about others. And a whisperer separates close friends. Now, that term, whisperer, would be a gossiper. And therefore, we're talking about intimate friends separate themselves from close friends by the way that they gossip about them. 
you and I know all kinds of things that other people don't know about our friends. Uh, I've always said that there's three things about a person. There's a public image, and that's the image that you often see at church, at work, or in the neighborhood. Then there is the private image, and that's how they really behave in front of individuals like their family. In fact, there's a lot of times when a person seems to be wonderful to the public, but instead he beats his children and accosts his wife. And therefore, he's a dishonest person separating close friends. Verse 29, a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. So once more, God is talking about the way that is not good. We're seeing this among many young people. Uh, They go to college and they decide, let's live away from the college so we can have a party house and do what we want. And they get involved in, well, sinful actions, and they're sleeping with one another, even though they're not married. But they have been convinced by their friends that that's what they should do. Because if you have love towards someone, then what's wrong with acting like as though you're married? But God says, no, that leads a person in a way that is not good. You know how many movies you've seen, or I like looking at true stories from the FBI. And I've said there's this one program that I just started looking at. It's called Meet, Marry, and Murder. Two people meet, they think they fall in love, they get married, but within three or four years, one spouse murders the other. Now, normally, it's the husband that does that action. But now more and more wives are killing their husband when they're sleeping because one wife says she was just bored or another one said, I found a new boyfriend. And therefore, people of violence, they lead themselves in a way that is not good. Verse 30 is really an interesting statement from God. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who pursues his lips brings evil to pass. I just saw that in a movie. That you well know that Roman Catholic priests are not permitted to say to others what they heard in the confessional. Well, this one priest was told by someone in the confessional that he was about to murder his wife. And the priest did not recognize the name. 
but he knew that another priest might know who this was. And so he took the detective to this other priest. And the other priest said, we're not allowed to say who it is in the confessional. And as he said that, he winked his eye at the detective. And in the next scene, the two priests and the detective were sitting at a table and the older priest was telling him who he thought the person was that had said that he was ready to murder his wife. But he winked his eyes. In fact, in a, another interesting series, they talk about individuals who are being interrogated by detectives. And as the interrogation went on, there was a commentator who was telling us why the detective was saying what he did. For example, at the beginning of the interrogation, the detective wants to be friends with the, well, possible criminal. So they may ask him, are you thirsty? Can I get you a drink? Would you like something to eat? And they may talk about things in his life that has nothing to do with the crime. But then the detective begins to speak of the crime. And what I find interesting is that there are reactions from the body of the suspect that gives an indication to the detective that the criminal, the suspect, is not telling the truth. You know, parents know that. Somebody breaks a window. And so they go to each of their children and ask them, are you the one who broke the window? And they can usually tell who it was because the child who did break the window turns his face away from his parents when he lies and says, no, I didn't do it. Go ask my brother. So body language is very important. One of the items was that when a criminal or suspect is asked a question that he's embarrassed to answer, he will cross his arms. And that is a way in which body language indicates to the police that he might not be telling the truth. Or when a woman was finally asked as to whether or not she had killed her husband, she began to tap her foot on the floor. So body language is very important. And that's what God says in Proverbs 16, verse 30, that you can take a look at people when they kind of shut their eyes or give a wink that they're really not telling the truth. And he who purses his lips has already completed evil that he had plotted. So pursing lips is another sign that detectives look for. I find the program very interesting as the commentator 
gives indications of what can be a lie or not. Now, lie detector tests where a person is hooked up to certain wires, that can tell whether a person is lying or not. But there are times when a person will fail a lie detector test, but still will be innocent. So lie detector tests are not permitted in court, but they are permitted for a a detective to discover what is the body language of this person. Verse 31, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Remember, we're talking about the different ways that God sees people. Gray hair refers to those who are older. And there are many Christians who live a long life on earth. And that is a crown of glory. But even when a Christian who is young, such as a teenager, and dies in a car accident, he still has a crown of glory because he will be living in heaven forever. And that is because of his righteous way of life. So therefore, gray hair showing a person is older is a crown of glory. And it is gained from God's point of view in the way of a righteous life, which often begins with the baptism into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. What's God talking about there? Well, who is somebody that is slow to anger? That would be somebody who has patience. And he is better than the mighty. And that word in the Hebrew can mean than a hero. You see, somebody can be a hero by defeating the enemy. But at the same time, he is slow to anger. He is not patient. And therefore, yes, he may be a hero. Good example of that is David. He was a warrior that defeated the Canaanites and brought Israel peace in the land of Canaan. But he was slow to anger when Bathsheba became pregnant with his child. And he therefore, he killed her husband. That shows that he was not patient and he was therefore not better than a mighty hero. And the rest of verse 32 says, he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. In other words, the person who rules his spirit is even better 
than one who captures a city. What does ruling one's spirit mean? Well, what's your spirit? That's the part in you that can control your temper. Now, where did you get this new spirit? It's in answer to David's prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What David is saying is that he wants within him the spirit that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden before they fell into sin. And when you have that spirit, which also is motivated by the Holy Spirit, then God considers you better than somebody who is an unbeliever and captures a city. The people might look to such a person as a wonderful hero, but God does not look to someone who may be a hero but cannot control his temper. Verse 33, uh, the last verse in Proverbs 16. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Now, you see, part of the goal of a pastor is not only to help you understand the original languages of the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic of the Bible, but also to understand the English. So when Solomon says, the lot is cast into the lap, what is he talking about? Well, there are occasions when lots were thrown. Now these might be stones or they were in a bag. Uh, the one example that's very good is in Acts chapter 1, verses 24 to 26. Judas had committed suicide, so they were short one disciple. And they decided that it was Matthias by casting lots. And its decision was determined by the Lord. That happens also when they cast lot for the clothes of Jesus. Wonderful section, this Proverbs 16, giving us insights into God's will. And we'll continue Long Gospel tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.